grace, mercy, and peace be yours, dear brothers and sisters, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whose almighty power has been demonstrated to us through his love, a power and a love that are worth proclaiming to all people. What would you do? That question was one of the key questions that Pastor Borman asked us last week. We've been following the story of this man from Mark chapter 5, a man whose name we aren't even given. We're simply told a part of his story. We know that he was a man who had been afflicted by and possessed by thousands of demons. A legion of demons had taken control of this man's body. And then Jesus drove them out with a word. The demons, as Jesus was driving them out, they begged with him, they pleaded with him to to not cast them back into the abyss, but to let them take possession of this nearby herd of pigs. So Jesus granted them permission, but the moment they took over that herd of pigs, that the herd was thrown into a frenzy, rushed down the slope and into the lake and drowned. At that, the pig herders ran off to the village and they told everyone there what had happened. The villagers ran back to Jesus and found him sitting there with this man who had been possessed. The man was now dressed and and in his right mind. What would you do if you were one of those townspeople? That was the question we looked at last week. What would you do if you were that man? That's what I'd like us to consider today. If you had just been rescued by Jesus from so terrible, so horrendous an affliction, here you are sitting next to him, he's about to leave, what would you do? Let's consider first what this man did as we read the final verses of this lesson from Mark chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Please stand as we hear the words of our Savior Jesus. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. What would you do if Jesus had done this great thing for you? Well, what does this man do? He begs Jesus, he pleads with Jesus to be able to go with Jesus. It's a pretty incredible response. If you read through the gospel you'll find many accounts, many places where Jesus extends an invitation to others and calls them to come and to follow him. And some of them accept the calling. Others give excuses of why they can't follow him right at that moment. 
But I can't think of another place where someone came to Jesus and in response to his love asked him, may I please follow you? And maybe what makes it even more incredible is the fact that Jesus denies this man his request. And he tells him not to follow him. I think it's an important reminder for us. This is the first blank on the sermon note sheet if you'd like to follow along there. There's an important reminder for us here in this lesson today that when it comes to our lives, Jesus knows best. We can't very easily put ourselves into the shoes of this man as he's sitting there that day with Jesus. And I say that because as far as I know, not a single one of us here has ever been possessed with even one demon, much less thousands of demons. We have been afflicted, though, and we have been delivered by that same Jesus. And I think that it's possible that some of you have found yourselves uttering a prayer similar to the words of this man, asking Jesus to permit you to come and be with him. It's not an uncommon request for believers who know Jesus as their savior and deliverer, who know what it is that he has done for them, to look at the world that we still live in and ask, Lord, just let me come and be with you. But if you're here this morning, that means that our Savior Jesus has not yet answered that prayer with a yes. Just as he did not grant that man's request with a yes, and that is because when it comes to our lives, Jesus knows what is best. And if you are still here and not there, then we're here because as long as we are here, our Savior Jesus has a purpose for us. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 1, he writes to them, he says, I desire to depart and to go to be with the Lord, which is better by far. But, he acknowledges, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. It is more necessary for you that I remain. Paul recognized that what was better for him going to be in heaven with Jesus wouldn't necessarily be what was best for the Philippian congregation who still needed him to share Jesus with them. Jesus had a plan for Paul, just like he had a plan for this man from Mark chapter 5. It was no accident that Jesus had delivered this man from his demons. It was no accident that he was telling him, no, you can't come with me. He had a job for this man. We heard it, but let's hear it again. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. He didn't need any more training. He already had everything that he needed to be able to share the love of Jesus. All he had to do to pass that love along was to go and tell people what God had already done for him through Jesus. So as we think about this man 
in these closing verses of this story, there are a couple of questions that I think we would benefit from considering. And the first one is this. How much has the Lord done for me? That's the next fill-in-the-blank on the sermon notes card. And it is a fill-in-the-blank, but once you fill it in, you're not quite done because now you've just completed a question. And it is a question that I would like you to answer. And there isn't a ton of space on the sheet here. I think you'll need another blank sheet or two or maybe a notebook, but I want to invite you to do this. I want you to spend some time this week thinking about this question, how much has the Lord done for me? Play through your life's story in your mind. Better yet, write it down or type it up. Type up your story and how much the Lord has done for you. How many pieces had to come together to bring you here into God's house this morning, to bring you here with your daughter to get baptized? How many burdens, how many struggles has the Lord borne you through? How much has the Lord done for you? Write down your story so you can take a step back and you can look at it and you can see and marvel at the power of God evidenced in your life simply up until this point. Who knows what else he still has in store for you? Last Sunday, Heather and I weren't here. We were in Minnesota celebrating my mother-in-law's retirement. And at the luncheon after that service, we were sitting at a table with Heather's Aunt Lucille. And Aunt Lucille was just sitting there telling us how much the Lord had done for her. She was telling us her story. And there was something really prescient that she wanted to share. You see, Aunt Lucille is in her late 80s. She has a grandson, Daniel, who just graduated from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary a couple of weeks ago. He had studied to be a pastor, completed his studies. He graduated, and he was assigned to go and be a pastor in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, which was incredible to Aunt Lucille because that's her hometown. That's where... I can do this. It's all right. (laughs) That's where she started growing up. And it was at a time when her family wasn't going to church. They didn't have a solid relationship with Jesus. But they got connected to the Wells grade school there in Fort Atkinson. Their father sent them to that school because he thought that was their best shot in that town at a quality education. And so they learned about Jesus. And they came to faith, or their faith was strengthened, and Aunt Lucille grew. She moved to New Ulm, Minnesota. She went to school there. She started a family. Two of her sons are now pastors, and now her grandson, who gets sent back to her hometown to keep teaching people there about Jesus. I wrote, it was enough to move her to tears. Apparently, it's enough to move me to tears, too. That's okay. Her story is incredible. And it's full of God's mercy. It's full of God's grace. Your story is incredible too. So don't be afraid to share it with other people. Right? Spend some time this week writing down your story so that you can see how much the Lord has done for you and then start sharing it. But that's the next question then. Who do I share it with? 
I want you to share it with your people. So I guess really the next question is, who are my people? In the text, Jesus told this man, go home to your own people and tell them what the Lord has done for you. So who are your people? I think if we want a simple definition, we could say that your people are the individuals that God has placed into your life that you have frequent contact with. Right? So there are some of those that would be very obvious. Our family, our friends, our congregation here. People that we see again and again and again. Maybe your coworkers. But there's others that maybe aren't as apparent to us. Your neighbor who lives down the street, whom you know lives there but you haven't really met yet, but you do see him every single day. Another resident who lives in the same building as you. Maybe it's your barber or your stylist. Could be the post person who brings you your mail every day. Could be your dentist, the waitress at your favorite restaurant. It could be any number of people in any of these places that you go with some degree of frequency. I have a friend who's here this morning who frequents the Joanne Fabric Store in Menominee Falls. And she knows the name of every single one of the ladies who works there. They are her people. Who are your people? Can you make a list? Can you write their names down? Well, make a list maybe first of those people and then ask yourself the question, do you know their names? And if you don't, that's nothing that you have to be ashamed of or embarrassed of, but I think it is an opportunity. Do you know their stories? Sometimes I think it's even easier to ask someone to tell you a little bit about their story than it is to ask them what their name is. More importantly, do they know your story? And I say more importantly, not because I think you should be selfish in a conversation and talk more about yourselves. I say more importantly because I know your story includes the grace and mercy of Jesus. And so as you get to know that person and you get to talk with them and you get to share your story with them, you're also going to be sharing with them, just like this man from Mark chapter 5, you're going to be sharing Jesus with them. Evidently, this man was extremely passionate about this. And he interpreted when Jesus said, go tell your own people to mean not just the people of his town, but everyone throughout the entire region. We're told he went and began to tell the people of the Decapolis. And the Decapolis, Pastor, can you throw that one up there, the map? It's this large region in the northeast of Israel. There's these 10 cities and all of the surrounding countryside, so it's a, it's a pretty good chunk of real estate. And all of them who heard what he had to tell them were amazed. They began to be amazed. If you remember from last week, when those townspeople came to Jesus after this miracle, they begged and pleaded with him to go away. They were afraid of the power that had been demonstrated to them. But if you fast forward a couple of chapters to Mark chapter 7 and 8, Jesus comes back to this region of the Decapolis again and when he comes back, they aren't standing there saying, no, we asked you to leave, please go away. He's welcomed back. And crowds of thousands and thousands of people 
come to meet him and to listen to him and to have those who are with them who are sick healed by him. They stay so long listening to Jesus that they're hungry and they go without food and that's where we have the miraculous feeding of the 4,000 people. How much of that change came about because of the witnessing, the storytelling of this one man going around telling what the Lord had done for him? But maybe that's a little daunting to think about, reaching out to a, a 10-city radius. That'd be like the entire metro Milwaukee area. That's, that's a lot to handle. And if you go through and you actually list out who your people are, I'd like you to do that too, by the way, if you can. It's a lot of homework today. But just get out a sheet, and after you write down your story, write down who are your people that's actually one of the, the check boxes on our bingo card that Pastor emphasized last week. So you're getting closer to a bingo if you do the homework this week. It'll be great. If you don't know about the bingo card, ask Pastor Borman or me after the service. We'll tell you about it. Write down your people, and I think that list will be intimidating. So you're going to find yourself asking, where do I start? It's our last fill-in. Where do I start? Or maybe we could call it, who's my one? Because that's our recommendation to you. Our recommendation here at Mount Lebanon is that you start by just picking one of those people from your list. One person that you see on a regular basis from one of the circles that you're in or one of the places that you go. Pick one person who doesn't have a good relationship with Jesus, who maybe doesn't have a church that they're able to go to right now. Pick that one person and circle their name on your list and then pray about them. And then if you do Pastor Borman and I a favor, email their name to us and we'll pray for them too and we'll pray for you while we're at it. And then start investing some time into that person. Introduce yourself. Ask them their name. Have a conversation with them, and if you look on the back of the sermon sheet, there's a great opportunity there for a little more learning about how we can look and learn and listen when we talk to other people. Feel free to read through that too. Homework piece number three or four, I don't know what we're on now. Invite them out for food or for a coffee. Invite them here. We have these invitation cards on the back table. You can give it to them and say, please come to church with me. I'd love for you to learn more about the Jesus who means so much to me. Share the hope of Jesus with them. And if you want to be really, really reckless and go just all out crazy, pick two people and see what happens. If one man delivered from all of those demons could reach out to so many people simply by telling them about how God had delivered him, what God had done for him. What would happen if the 120 of us here this morning all did the same and went out and told the people in our lives about how God has delivered us, how he's delivered us from death and from sin and from Satan? When we consider the power of Jesus at work in our lives, how can we not proclaim it to the people 
he's surrounded us with in our lives. I have a desire, like this man did, like the Apostle Paul did, like I think many of you do, to depart and to be with Jesus. And he wants that for you too. But he may have a plan that needs to be carried out before that happens. It would be better for you to go and be with Jesus today. But might it not be better for your people if you can stick around here long enough to bring Jesus to them? Amen?